Today is the full moon, and I have a conversation with Sue Scavo to share with you. Sue has been a practitioner and teacher of embodied dream work for over 20 years, and she's the co-founder and director of the school, Students of the Dream, and of the literary and arts journal, Deluge. You're going to hear several example dreams and great stories from her, and she has so many insightful things to say about how to relate to our dreams, how to open the doors presented to us by our dreams. I got a lot out of this conversation, and I think you will too. I'm excited to say that Sue and I will be co-hosting a live online event devoted to dreams and creativity. We're still planning that, but it's coming up in late June or early July. It's not just powerful, but it's also really fun to create writing and art inspired by our dreams, and I would just love to have you there. Be sure to check thedreamersden.org or follow me on social media to get updates on that. And coming right up now on Saturday, May 16th, Melissa Grace and I are hoping to see you for Dreaming Welcome, Moving Closer in a Time of Distance. We'll be meeting live online and exploring principles of dream interpretation, talking especially about shadow figures. Melissa will pull an oracle card for the group that we'll all discuss to help us sink into that intuitive, symbolic space together. And then we'll engage with images from our dreams or from myths and fairy tales. You can choose what you want to bring. Images of closeness and distance, touch and pulling away, and welcome versus unwelcome, which have all been coming up a lot in this time of so much physical separation. You can register for that event coming up on Saturday, May 16th at thedreamersden.org welcome. And now let's get today's episode started. You're listening to the Dreamers Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Sue Scavo. Sue is an embodied dream work teacher and practitioner with over 20 years of experience. She works with dreamers both individually and in group settings, and she's taught at some wonderful venues, probably many of you listeners are familiar with. Um, She's taught in the U.S., Canada, and Europe at Esalen, Kripalu, Rowe, Brightonbush, Hollyhock, and One World International Festival. Sue is the co-founder and director of Students of the Dreams, which includes a school for embodied dream work. And she's also the co-founder and co-editor of Deluge Literary and Arts Journal, which is a journal for creative work inspired by or embodying the liminal space of dreams. So welcome, Sue. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. To start out, I would love to hear from you how and when you first realized that dreams were important to you. That is such a great question. Um... The first thing that comes up for me is how dreams actually form a large part of my memory as a child. Mm. So my first memory or one of my earliest memories of being a girl is actually a dream I had that was recurring. That was a pretty terrifying dream. I think it's a common thing for people to have scary dreams when they're kids. And I had a very scary dream that I had almost, well, it seemed like every night, but I had it a lot over about a year and a half period when I was about seven or eight. And, um, and I knew from that dream that something was happening that I needed to know. Um, And, you know, it kind of, it kind of scared me. So I didn't, and I didn't have really a 
quite a safe environment to tell anybody about the dream. So I, I, but I knew that dream has always stayed with me. Like I can take a breath and just go to the dream and it's like as if it happened last night. So wow. it's a, it was very, it's a very vivid dream. Um, and I can tell you the dream. Um, yeah, sure. Do you want to, do you want to share it? Sure. Uh, so, um, you know, the dream, so the dream is I'm, I'm, you know, I was about seven or eight at the time and I'm at the house where I was living at that time. I have, um, I'm from a, you know, sort of Italian, Irish Catholic family. So I have four brothers. Um, uh-huh. and, um, and we're all one year apart. So in the dream, I was with my mom and a friend and um, we were going to some funeral or something, um, even though no one at the time had died. And I could hear my brothers down the road, down the street playing. They were making all these, two of my brothers were playing and being kind of loud, which is something that they were wont to do. And (laughs) suddenly everything went silent and I knew that they were dead. Mm. My outer world, my family, my brothers did not die. You know, they're all still alive and well right now. Um, mm-hmm. But something, you know, like I knew they were gone and there's this terrible silence kind of descended upon everything. And I looked down the road, down another street, and there was a, a big hearse down at the end of the street with the back door open. And there was about nine or 10 empty caskets in the back of this you know, big black hearse. And, uh, and I just ran for it. I just started sprinting down the hill, wanting to get into one of those caskets. Mm. I, I don't know why. Um, I just knew I had to do it. And so the dream in the dream, I jump into, into the, i actually jump into a casket and the back door closes and the car start, and the hearse starts to drive away and I wake up. Wow. Um, so, you know, I had that dream a lot for about, like I said, a year and a half. And it was, you know, terrifying for me, obviously. Um, and, and then looking now, you know, looking back now, even before I, st- I started actually working with dreams um, or having my dreams worked uh, either, like I knew if something bad was happening, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, I just didn't know what it was, but now I look at it now, it's like there was some way I was completely burying myself. There was something that was happening in my house with my family that I just, I, the only way that I knew how to survive was to bury some, some part of myself, which mm. was what I was, which what is what I was doing at the time. Uh-huh. So, you know, at the time it was terrifying. I didn't understand it, uh, but I did understand that something was happening and I didn't know. And I also understood I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And how old do you think you were? Or do you remember when it was that you came to understand it in this way about being burying yourself? Well, I think when I found dreaming later, um, I had another dream where uh, I saw this girl get buried alive and she was not dead. Hmm. And I, and I, I was like, oh my God, it's like when I buried my, myself, mm-hmm. there was something about like realizing that like I had done that, that there was some way, there was some huge part of me that was missing. And I, I knew that I, I think in like through high school, through my twenties and thirties, I, I think I knew I was missing something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was some part of me, but I knew there was something that I was, that I needed that I didn't have. and you know, when I had the dream of like seeing this girl being buried alive and I was like, Oh, that's what I need. <laughs> There's that, there was some part, there was some part of me that I had like in order to survive just kind of forgotten about. Yeah. And what a, what a familiar kind of theme to come up in dreams, right? The parts of ourselves that we bury or push aside or have in the shadows or hide somewhere. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I'm a, I'm a big lover of story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm also a writer and I, I write poetry and, um, and so I think part of what also brought me to dreaming is, you know, I think there's a lot of, especially in poetry, but a lot of art and literary art um, comes from, literally comes from dreams, but also works with that space that I, that to me is very dreamlike. And I think working with poetry and working with image in a way outside of like 
uh, like a sort of like a straight narrative way that I think poetry can do really also opened me up to dreaming because to me they come from the same place. Uh -huh. so, um, so I think that, and as a lover of story, I think the, the, the way that dreams work with story also drew me, you know, of course I think about fairy tales and mythology around some of, of around dreaming. You know, I think about the girl who buries herself or like Sleeping Beauty mythology, those, uh -huh. kind of things, those kind of things. So to me, the dream was also working with these stories that I had grown up with that have been in my culture for, you know, de you know, lifetimes. Um, I think the dreams were also working with that kind of storyline of like how we have to bear ourselves or put some part of ourselves in the shadow. So, you know, it was working, that dream was working on me for many years on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. As they do on so many levels. I, <laughs> I, um, I love that you brought up fairy tales in particular, because I like to think about those, the fairy tales and the myths, you know, the really um, enduring stories. And then mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes a modern story too, a movie or something that captures a lot of people's attention, almost as a dream of the culture that we can, mm -hmm. we can work like a dream, you know, and that, that there was this aspect of you that you're talking about that was buried. And there's this aspect maybe in many of us or in our culture that, that um, takes form in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think, I think stories like go into us because it's how we learn. We learn through, I, I think this is why I call what I do embodied dream work because it, it's an embodied way of being with dreams, just the way like stories are an embodied way of being with like learning and growing. So, you know, I think about a lot of great spiritual teachers who have taught through story, like through parables or through um, mythologies, like, because it's, it's how we as humans think and it's how we understand things. So I can say like, oh yeah, I was buried or, oh yeah, I buried myself, which in one way, you know, is true. But if I say I threw myself into a casket and let yes. myself driven away in a casket, the, the, the story of that and also the experience of that in my body is so much more powerful. It is. Than, than just sort of like a statement of like, oh yeah, I buried some part of myself. Mm -hmm. And memorable as well. I mean, I'm going to remember that image and our <laughs> listeners are going to remember that image of this seven, eight year old girl running down and throwing herself into the casket. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I think like movies and, and novels and stories that are, you know, we have the old stories, the ancient stories from our ancestors that are still very much alive. And then there's stories that like come into our culture. That's very, that are very much alive. You know, I have a daughter who's 19 now, but when, you know, she was a kid, we read the Harry Potter stories together. And, um, you know, that is becoming an enduring story in our culture. Yeah, uh, it's such a beautifully layered uh, story. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I a lot of people dream about Harry Potter. A lot of my clients have dreamed about Harry Potter. I, I do. I've had many. <laughs> yeah. So many Harry yeah. Potter dreams, you know, because yeah. it's because it's a because it's a story that touches some very kind of archetypal. Yeah. Um, you know, our own archetypal story. Um, and so when something touches us, whether it's like a myth, like a Greek myth or a fairy tale or a book or a novel that we read yesterday, um, our dreams will work with the things that touch us because that's how we, you know, we get touched through story because, you know, again, that's how we learn and that's how we grow and that's how we see ourselves. So, mm -hmm. so this is, you know, stories informing our dreams and of course, our dreams inform stories. That's what you are working with with Deluge, and I'm. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear more about that dream-informed creative work. You know, your own or others that you've that you've seen and published. Would you tell us a little bit more about how dreams are inspiring that creative work? Sure. Um, you know, well, I'll start with Deluge. Deluge is you know we're an online journal, and uh, I, I I'm the co-editor, and I you know I, I love for me, work that that comes from like a liminal kind of space, which I think dreams come from. So that has a dreamlike quality or that are directly from dreams um, that work with that kind of energy. So, which is why we, which is why we started it. Cause I think um, I get very inspired by that kind of work. 
And and the idea of, of, of dream being part of a creative process for any kind of artist has been around since humans started becoming humans. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I look at like, you know, I, I'm in Colorado right now and there's a lot of, you know, rock art here. I think about the caves in France. My, my dear friend of mine is very much into the, you know, sort of the caves, the caves in France where they have all the, the paintings and with the animals and the hunting scenes and uh, petroglyphs. And, you know, I look at some of those images and I think like how many of these images are from dreams? Mm-hmm. You know, how many, how many images, you know, ha- like from ancient times to now have, have made their way onto the cave wall, onto the tablet, onto, into the poem, into the story, into the movie. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of artists who work directly from dreams. There are some writers uh, who will say that if you're not writing from your dreams in some way, then you're not really tapping into this, this greater unconscious. So, uh, which I, I concur somewhat. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, cause I don't think you have to write from your dreams, you know, like, you know, it, it's one of those things like to like, just write a piece or a poem that just states the dream um, is, you know, people have done that as, as an art, as a piece, but to me, like to take, the energy of the dream to take an image from a dream and to open it up and to unfold it or to fold it into a story or to create a story from a dream or a dream in an image. I think to me is a way of working with the unconscious that, um, that actually can open up the story or the dream or the experience for other people too. Um, it, it is an ancient tradition uh, to use dreams as inspiration and as part of the story. I mean, I think, I read recently, like one of the very first things they ever found written, the oldest things that were written somewhere um, has a dream in it. So mm. it, it's something, you know, that we as as a species, you know, our dreams have informed us since, you know, probably the time we started having consciousness. Like every, and every religious um, tradition that's out there, you know, every every ancestral tradition, are informed by dreams mm-hmm. um, and have dreams as a central part of, 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 of sort of belief, um, whether in a negative way or usually in a positive way, like as a way that like, quote unquote, God speaks to somebody, some prophet in a, in, in a story or the way things are transmitted to people from other places. So, you know, it, I just think it is so much part of our creative imagination and our experience anyway, that it really is, part of the fundamental weave of you know of art and literary history to this day yeah and and such a fundamental part of our experience of being human that is often I mean not in your world or my world because we talk about dreams all the time but you know is often overlooked but it's fundamental to our experience to our creativity to science you know to there's there's that list of scientific discoveries that were in, uh, inspired by dreams. So absolutely. It really is such a um, important part of our, of our lives. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's far why I love dreams because they're both like these, to me, there's these spectacular things that happen that we, that we have experience that we experience. And they're also just part of our mundane everyday life. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're both this magical realm and they're, you know, they are part of our day to day. Whether we remember our dreams or not, we dream every night and, you know, the feel of them often will come into our days. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they are part of the everyday weave of things. So I love I love the word you used when you said unfold, you know, to take an image out of a dream and unfold it and then. Mm-hmm create whatever comes from that so to me and this is true for both poetry and my way of writing the way I write my, my own process and um, the way I work with dreams that to me it's not it's not the finished product a dream is simply an invitation so so when I when I look at a dream I'm, I look at it as something, there's something underneath sort of the initial facade or storyline um, an experience of the dream that wants to be explored, an image that comes up for a poem. So, um, so I kind of enter into a line of inquiry with the dream, and this is what I do with my 
client um, of like what's underneath the initial story. Uh-huh. What, like the dream is like, like the initial experience of the dream is like the beginning of a conversation. And so I feel like my job is to step into the conversation, is to unfold, because I feel like the dream, when I'm presented with a dream, it's not just be like, oh, that's the dream, that's it. it. To me, it's like an invitation. So my job is to ask questions, is to step into the conversation, to say like, why is this person, why is it that person in, my, in the dream? Why am I that age in the dream? Why, what is that feeling and where has that been in my life? What does this conjure up for me? What does this remind me of? Um, so that way the dream can start to unfold. I can start to have a conversation with the dream. Mm-hmm. And then when I enter into that conversation, then my next dream is going to be the next part of the dream's conversation with me. Then it unfolds an entire conversation that can, to me, last a lifetime between me and my dreams. And yeah. it's the same thing on the page with the poem. If I have an image that I can't shake, um, if I see something in the world and I can't shake that image, I'm like, oh, I need to enter into that image and see what's there for me. Mm-hmm. So I go to the page and I just start writing. And, you know, it's usually pretty obvious pretty quickly <laughs> what, what it is that I need that that is touching me about that some image or some experience I've had in my life. So, so yeah, it's like, there is, there is, to me, I, I do feel like in the unfolding is actually where the magic and the alchemy happens. And do you, when you're, when you go to the page, you know, you said it, it becomes clear pretty quickly. Do you get that sort of, oh, that's it feeling like just that sense of resonance? You know, I know that to be what matters about this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, to me, it's, you know, I have that also kind of revelational feeling around or resonance when I start, when I start opening dreams, you know, like, let me ask this question, let me ask that question. And then something's going to hit like, oh my God, it's this or, oh, that building reminded me of the building I used to go to when I was 12. And then you start opening up that and then there's usually like, oh, this thing happened in that building that I had totally forgotten about. You know, there's yeah. something, you know, you just dig a little and, you know, the heat underneath is going to rise up if we let ourselves ask the question. Yes, the heat rises up. Hmm. So I wonder, I'm curious whether you have anything to say about unfolding the characters in our dreams because, you know, characters are so key in storytelling you know thinking about harry potter she's jk rowling is so good at inventing these characters and you know we often people our dreams with characters who we know Mm -hmm. and i've seen people sometimes get hung up on who they've dreamt about you know and and feeling like they can't fully get into what the dream might be communicating to them because it feels like it's quote unquote about this other person Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that about how we we people our dreams with those that we know and what what their role is as characters for us. Oh, so many things to say. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I'll start with um, saying the way I look at it is like if we take everything that's in a dream as a door to open, not as the end point, then then it, it, I think it helps with understanding why people show up in our dreams. So if I, so I'm going to avoid the obvious one, which is like a lover and ex-lover. Okay. Uh, I'll come, I'll, Cause that happens a lot for people. So yeah. I'll come back to that. But if I have like, let's say I have a dream where someone from my past shows up. So I'm just, for some reason, I'm thinking about this dream I had with this girl who I was really good friends with around that time I had this, Um, so if she's in my dream, then, then to me, it's the dream is making this gesture towards something. So if I have a, if I have someone in my dream who was, was part of my life during a certain period of my life, then the dream is gesturing, first of all, toward that period of my life. So if, you know, I'll call her Joan shows up in my dream I'm like, oh, the dream is gesturing to the time when I was like eight to 12, when I was friends with Joan. Uh-huh. So that's the first thing I think of. I also think about how old was I when I was, you know, when I knew that person. 
Um, and then I might think about like experiences I had with that person, or I might think of like, what kind of person is this person? I mean, this person I'm thinking about who I'm calling Joan was this very sweet, very loyal friend who came from a really great family and her house was a little bit of a refugee from a refuge for me. So, you know, when mm -hmm. I think of her, I, that's what I think of. And she's very smart and very funny and um, very accomplished as a, as a grown up. So the, all those aspects of her are part of what the dream wants me to look at. Um, if, if, if it's somebody that we really like, sometimes I think one possibility is like, maybe that person holds qualities that I wish I had, or I have, and I don't know that I have, uh -huh. if that makes sense. Um, maybe that person's coming to support me in growing those kind of abilities, or maybe that person's coming to support me in some maybe trauma work, and they're coming as a support to be with me while I'm moving through some maybe hard feelings or memories or something. Um, if it's a person I don't like, uh, who maybe has been a person who's hard, has been hard for me, then I have to look at, you know, then I ask the same questions, like what aspects of them are they carrying that maybe I carry that I don't want to see that I carry? Uh -huh. um, like if I dream of somebody who can be cold or dismissive, then I'm going to ask myself the question, like, am I being cold and dismissive right now? Or am I being like that person? The answer may not, maybe no, but it is a question um, that I ask. Um, well, if it's yes, then I, then I work with that. But if it's no, then it's like, well, what was my experience with the person? And is the dream gesturing toward that because there's some healing um, that's pertinent to my life now? Uh -huh. um, you know, maybe the way I dealt with that person, did I hide from them or did I, you know, do something, you know, whatever it is. So to me, people come in, the, in, in our dreams and they hold all of that for, for us. Um, so, you know, and I, I think of characters who come in our dreams, you know, there's, you know, characters that, figures who we don't know um, as well. Yeah. Uh, so, so I do think that there are, that figures come in our dreams who come to teach us and to support us as well. Sometimes they come as people we don't know. Uh -huh. um, they, or, or maybe like a famous person uh, that we uh, admire. Um, but sometimes people we know, sometimes those archetypal figures or guides will come as people as we know because we trust them. So sometimes a figure we know will come because they want to teach us something they, or they want to support us in something or they want to um, challenge us in something. So again, it, it really depends on your relationship with the person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's many, many ways to work with it. You know, if it's an ex lover or a current lover, um, which people dream about a lot. Uh -huh. um, to me, it speaks to, I would ask the same kind of, I'd have the same kind of line of inquiry, like what, what is the person to you? What is your relationship to them now? How, if it's an ex, how did it end? If it's a current, is there something going on that needs to be looked at? Um, but either way, like they, they're holding a space that's a door to something that you need to know, we need to know about ourselves and maybe how we are in relationship to them. So if it's an ex and we have a story about how it ended and, it, you know, sometimes our stories are often it was always, oh, it was their fault. <laughs> uh -huh. um, you know, maybe the dream is coming to saying like, well, maybe they had their part, but what about your part? Because to me, there's, a, we always have a part in everything. Yeah. You know, if it's a current person, then and it's a difficult dream. The dream may be saying there may be something difficult going on here that you're not paying attention to, um, or you're making something difficult that doesn't need to be difficult or something like that. So even, even if it's a current person, you know, it's still a door to open up to like what's behind the door. You know, people dream a lot about like my partner cheated on me, you know, does it mean that the partner's cheating on you? I don't know, but what's the feeling of that? what's the, you know, have you ever been cheated on before? Is there a fear that's being brought up? Do you see what I'm saying? Like what it opens up is really what we really need to know. Yes. So well said. Thank you for that. And the image of the door is just perfect because mm -hmm. there it's like that character, you know, is the door. And if we just stand there staring at the door, <laughs> we're, we're not going to get everything, you know, that might be, might be back there. 
Um, exactly. The door is not just, we're not supposed to stare at the door. We're supposed to open it. Yeah. And for, for me, it really struck a chord when you said sometimes these archetypal figures come in as someone we know because we trust them. And I think that's not, I've never quite asked myself about that in that way, you know, with who comes into my dreams is how, how much do I trust this person and how receptive do I feel to what they're bringing? I feel like that could be a, an interesting trail to walk down of kind of characters who come, who I really welcome them into my life um, or what, you know, their, their contribution and people who I'm a little more hesitant with. That seems, totally. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, I will say um, one of the things I really believe about dreams is that they're so individual and they're so precisely crafted for each dreamer every night that it's really hard to, um, you know, this is why I don't, this is why I'll never write a dream dictionary because I, it, I think, uh-huh. you know, dreams are so tailored to each of us. And Absolutely. so, and they're so precise in so many ways. Um, so I just want to start with that because I, I want to give an example from uh, my own journey. Oh, great. Uh, you, <laughs> I really love uh, the band U2. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, in part because they started being big when I was a kid. When I was 16, their first album came out and I was like, who are these people? And they were just this wild band. And, you know, now I'm old and they're old. And, <laughs> you know, it's part, it's part of, you know, it's part of the soundtrack of my childhood in some ways. Yeah. But, but I really love them. And I, and I love what they stand for and how they've changed over the years from this kind of punk um band to you know a band with consciousness i think and or in my in my view because this Uh is totally my association i have no idea what kind of people like i've never met them but i used to dream a lot about about the band i used to dream a lot of especially about the edge um who i admire a lot and a little bit about the lead singer bono and uh, i couldn't figure out why i kept dreaming about them like for a couple years i was like okay enough with you too i mean i love their music that's true but I, i started getting I started to understand like why they kept appearing in my dreams was because of the way I look at them. And to me, they're these large figures in our culture and they're just themselves. Um, you know, the edge started playing music. He didn't have money for guitar. So he made his own guitar. His first. Oh, guitar, wow. Which I just love that so much. That's amazing. Um, and, you know, they've stuck together over all these years. They almost broke up many times, but they stuck together but they also have this very strong spiritual part of who they are as musicians and who they are in, you know, in consciousness, you know, like Bono runs the Red Red Foundation that is working to get rid of AIDS in the world. And, bon, you know, and, and the Edge has started all these, you know, music schools for kids who can't afford to buy instruments. So they, they, they're doing, they're really giving back to the larger community. And they do it by speaking about themselves, their own lives, and also about their relationship with, you know, quote unquote, God. And I, that just has always blown me away, like to have this like, you know, rock band singing about their relationship with their spiritual process um, seems so bold and like, kind of like, I could hardly believe it. And I think that's part of why they they, they, they used to come to me. It's like, because it was, okay. I think there was, it was a little hard for me to start to speak about my spiritual path and my relationship with my spirituality. And, um, and I think they were coming to say like, you can do it too. Like there's a punch. Mm. Like you and you too can do it. And you too can do it. Um, you know, so I think that was part of it. It was kind of cute, but you know, I think because I admired that and because, you know, for me, dreams are a part of my spiritual path that, you know, I think the dreams were trying to encourage me to be like, you can do, you can be bold too. You can speak mm-hmm. about who you are in all aspects. Um, and, and in fact, that's part of your path. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, now if you were to dream about you too, or my daughter who actually hates you too, would dream about <laughs> you too, because, because of course it's my favorite band. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, then it, it has a whole different meaning because of, of her relationship with the band. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, so for me, it was about speaking. It was about 
using my voice about saying whatever I needed to say, which was a really important thing for me because I, I was very silenced when I was a kid. So um, it was a very particular thing for me around voice that um, that was that you know is still really powerful. Mm. Wow, that just brought me back to your your dream that you shared at the beginning because as you were telling that dream, I really felt the intensity when you said a terrible silence mm-hmm. that you that something was wrong because you heard this terrible silence and that that's just been sort of echoing for me and then hearing you say it again you know it's um it gives me another way to hold you too i mean they're so not only are they fully expressing their voice in through their instruments and through singing but they're being heard by so many people almost an unimaginable number of people for most of us right and they're and they're loud. They're loud, yeah. They're very they're, loud. They are the opposite of silent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they're very outspoken. You know, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the things that happened uh, was right around the time when I was dreaming about them is they um, they came out with an album and they had it downloaded into everybody's iTunes library, which people were outraged about. Wow, I did not know about that. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> yeah, they did. And people, and I understand why people were mad. Like it was like a little bit of violation. Suddenly like all these songs appeared in pe- the people's library. And I mean, they gave to them for free. You know, it was yeah. this whole yeah. thing and people got mad and uh, it was great. I saw this apology uh, that they did that was totally not an apology. It was totally tongue in cheek. And I thought, okay, like they have like millions of people pissed off at them and they're still like, sorry, not sorry. Like, uh-huh. you know, we were just, we thought you might like the music. If you don't like it, delete it. We don't care. And we won't do it again, but it was just very funny. And so that kind of boldness, right? So this is how dreams are so specific. You know, the way I survived the trauma in my childhood, I think we all have trauma in our childhoods, but the way I survived, you know, my childhood, the culture, all that stuff was I went silent in some mm-hmm. way. And mm-hmm. so of course the dream's going to bring somebody who's loud as hell uh-huh. who sings and just like doesn't mind being outspoken doesn't mind being contrary that's going to be an archetypal figure for me yeah and someone who gives their voice as a gift and doesn't really care if someone doesn't want it that's you know you can delete my my music if you don't like it but um Absolutely. i have something to share and i'm just going to put it out there i mean that's right which is the opposite which is the opposite of my survival technique which is anything yeah right Mm. well i i love them as um as characters then in your dream (laughs) that's Mm. that's beautiful yeah Mm. well one other thing i wanted to ask you about was this idea of embodied dream work Mm. can you tell me a little bit more about what that means how you how you do that yes for me so I was talking about like story. We were talking about story and how important story is um, to dreaming and to, I think, just the human, you know, the human experience. I and mean, you just go on Netflix and there's like a billion stories that you can watch. Mm-hmm. And that's only one sort of channel, right? Or all these books and stories that are out there because that's part of the human experience. And I think stories are so important to the human experience because um, they take us, they take us in a visceral way into the story. Uh, we experience things and that's how we learn. Um, and that's how we grow. And that's how we know about things uh, and spiritual and intellectual life. I mean, you know, to me, the intellect is part of the body. So I don't think of it as like a split. Uh-huh. Um, so, to the way that I think I've learned from the dreams that, that we learn and heal and grow and really are is, um, is through the visceral experience of the dream. Um, you know, I, I, in the 20 years I've been doing this, um, including my own work, I rarely have I seen where, like a character in a dream sits down with the dreamer and says, this is what you need to know. Uh-huh. You know, it's yeah. not like, it's not like, Hey, maybe you should really think about this issue. Um, rarely. I mean, yeah. I have a couple of times that, you know, they, it was kind of funny. Uh, anyway. So uh, 
well, the way the dreams take us through things, through discovering our, our creative voices or our passion or whatever it is, is through taking us through experiences. So, um, like I said, a dream didn't say, you know, you're burying yourself. The dream had me actually bury myself. Yeah. And, and to have that visceral experience is, speaks louder than anything that anyone could tell me. So, um, so part of the process this is why we call, you know, why I call it embodied dream work is because it's about, it's about knowing that everything happens in the body. Everything happens in the body. My, my experiences happen in the body. My experiences of love or trauma or joy or grief, it all happens inside of me. And so, and how, and how I experience things and what I, how I learned to be or to respond, that all comes from the experiences I carry in my body. So um, if you take something like, say, uh, we'll take something that people think of as, as negative, like such as grief, which I don't think grief is negative, but you take something like grief, like how we experience that in the body and how we learn to work with grief is through our experience. Like, so when, you know, when we experience the loss of someone close to us, we can't know what that is until we actually have the experience. And then what do we do with the grief is a very personal thing. Um, and we only know by going through the experience. So I think the dreams work at that level. Like, well, we don't know until we go through the experience. So I didn't know when I was in my 30s that I was living sort of a silent life. And I, I could probably guarantee that um, some people in my life back then probably would, would have said, like, you were not silent. Because <laughs> I can be not silent. But yeah. a part of me was being silent. It was, yeah. a, you know, a terrible silence appearing inside of me. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so the dreams kept showing the silence but by, by, like, having, the you know, like the dream with the girl in the, in the coffin. She was in this ice coffin and she was screaming but nobody could hear her. Wow. Like that, you know, that hit me. Yeah. You know, that, you know, I woke up like, oh my God. And then to open that, to know that there was a part of me that was screaming, that was behind the silence, that was frozen, that wanted to come out. Like that's an experience. That's not like, that's not an idea. No. So, so the way to work with that, the way I work with dreams in this way is, you know, there's a character in a dream. We'll open the person at like the person is a door, right? Uh -huh. Like we were speaking about, but so is my experience in the dream. So a feeling I have is also a door. Um, whether the feeling is uh, I feel nothing, I'm numb, or I'm an observer, or I'm scared, or I feel ecstasy, or whatever the experience is in the dream, that is also a door. And that's a door to open. And so, um, and, and I think going into what the dreamer is experiencing in the dream is, is even more powerful than who is this person in my dream. Uh -huh. So, um, so to me, so when I work with somebody and when, and when I'm working with myself too, one of the questions I ask is like, what's happening for you in your body right now in the dream? you're looking at the scene or you're have you're skiing and you're having a lot of fun. Like what's happening in your body right now with a slow down and take a breath into that experience. And then we start doing the associative process. Like, have you ever known that kind of joy? Do you know, have you ever been skiing? Of course, have you been skiing? You know, those kinds of doing the associative thing about the feeling. So, and if the person's like, I have never felt this kind of joy, then that is like, that's something to work with. That's a huge thing to say. Yeah, exactly. Now we go to the opposite end of like, I'm watching a scene and I have no feeling about it. I'm going to open up. Like, where do you feel numb? Where, like, where did, when did you start feeling this feeling of not feeling anything, especially if, an ex, if it's an extreme thing, but ways to work with those experiences and opening them and unfolding that to teach us about like where we're stuck and where there's openings that are possible for us. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll give you another example of one of my dreams. Um, Great. It's, it's a pretty, it was a really scary, horrifying dream. But what was significant about it to me was that 
I was completely numb in the dream. Uh-huh. Completely nonchalant as if I was like having tea at my favorite coffee shop. Uh-huh. Uh, in the dream, I had been accused, and this is early in my process, uh, I had been accused of killing somebody, which I hadn't done. And I thought I had to punish myself. So I literally chopped off my hands myself mm. with an ax. Wow. I did not feel it. Um, I had no emotional anything about it. Um, the way I had to do the second hand was really gruesome because I had already chopped off my other hand. Wow, that's uh, so so vivid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I won't describe it because it's pretty gross. But, you know, and, and I was just completely numb. Uh-huh. So the dream had two, two, obviously, two intense things going on here. One was the fact that I would hurt myself in that way, which I never did. I, I was never someone who harmed myself. But, um, but the dream was saying there's some way you are harming yourself uh-huh. and that you're completely numb to it. So opening up the numbness was really powerful because, of mm. course, it related to the silence. Yeah. And being a writer to cut off your hands is a way to cut off your voice. Mm. So, so many, there's so many layers to that, to the dream about silence again and about how, and, but the visceral feeling of like not of being numb was really helpful because I had been walking around with that for a long time and I didn't, I had not identified it. Yeah. Um, and then to be with the dream and to be with the horror of the dream when I woke up actually began to melt some of that numbness. And I had to look at like, how am I silencing myself? How am I cutting off my hands? Uh-huh. Really powerful. So in the dream, you experienced numbness and then the horror didn't come in until you woke up? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Exactly. I mean, it was a, you know, it, you know, it was a really obviously upsetting dream. I mean, mm-hmm. it was kind of, people would call that a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really necessary because there was some way I was living this way and I didn't know it. I mean, I think that's what scary dreams do for us is that they show us we're living something that's really scary or we haven't leaned into something that's really terrifying and, but we're still, it's still in us mm-hmm. and, it, and it needs attention and it needs healing or we're always going to be living in that kind of fear. If that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And I, I also, I mean, I relate completely differently to scary dreams now than I did before I discovered dream work. I mean, now, although I can still be rocked by the feelings of fear or horror or grief or, you know, the sense that something bad is coming, there's also a part of me that's like, oh, good, this must be important, you know, because for the dream to, to grab us like that with such intensity, it feels like, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's something good and something really important. Yeah. Uh, You know, if I, you know, if I have a dream where I'm like something terrible is happening to me, that means something terrible did happen to me and I need to work with that um, because I'm still living in fear of it. Like, so Mm -hmm. when someone says I have these scary dreams, can you make them stop? (laughs) Because of course I get that too. I'm like, well, let's open the conversation because the dream is really trying to get your attention. The dream, you know, your unconscious is like, there's something really big that needs healing here. Yeah. You need to pay attention and it's affecting you. I mean, I think, you know, I want to say like dreams like that come to us because they're affecting us now, not just because they affected us back then, but they're affecting us now. Yes. the dreams want us to open up to our possibility, but we can't do that if we're still living in our survivor mentality, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so important that the, it comes up in a dream now if it's relevant now. Yes, I agree. Well, this this has been wonderful. Um, before we wrap up our conversation, I wonder, you've talked about so many ways that you've kind of opened doors and unfolded things and worked with creativity or on that kind of healing level. If, if we have some people listening who are just newly curious about their dreams and haven't done any dream work yet, do you have Mm -hmm. any, um, 
an invitation for them or a, an, an idea about a nice way to begin opening those doors, to begin unfolding things? Yeah, I would say this, that um, first to know that the dreams are coming, first to have an idea about the dreams, which is that they're coming with our best intentions at heart, that um, they come for healing, they come to help us resolve things that we haven't resolved, but it's not just about that. It's about really the intention of, I think of dreaming is like to bring us into like this light that we are to bring us into our passionate selves, to help us discover what that is and to help us see what blocks us from getting there. Some stories that maybe we're living, some ideas that we, of who we think we are, you know, they're challenging all those things. So first I would say to know that there is a very deep, very profound, intention of the dream and it's the best intentions for us even the scary dreams have the best intentions for us um so i would say that first um uh -huh. and i would say like think of it as a conversation like the dream is trying to raise a conversation and to to like to like literally allow yourself to step into the conversation to say like okay dream what do you <laughs> i mean i still do this like i'll wake up and say okay what are you trying to tell me about that dream last night um, just to be like, okay, I'm open to hearing what you have to say, and I want to learn from you. So I think sort of going, knowing that they have an intention for us, that is the best intention, and to, then to go toward the dream with a similar intention. Mm -hmm. So I would start with that, you know, and of course, write down your dreams or you'll forget them. That's uh -huh. also one. Um, and a snippet counts, even if it's only an image. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that. And then I would say like, when you wake up with a dream, um, just to be very tender and to, you can ask some questions like, like, well, who, why, like, why that person, how old was one, you know, to be sort of like, you can start a line of inquiry about like, I wonder why the dream put the edge in my dream, or I wonder why they put my mother in my dream, or I wonder why they put, you know, that kid I knew when I was in high school in my dream and just start like, let yourself think about that person or think about that time and just kind of be with the energy of that. And, um, and what do I need to know about that time period or what is it you're trying to bring to my attention? And just to be, just to be in that kind of open hearted inquiry. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say if you have a scary dream um, and, you know, I've seen some really, I mean, like, you know, I've had some really terrifying dreams and I know we all have. Um, I would say those kind of dreams, um, to know that they're also have a good intention and that you may, maybe it would be good to get some help with it. Um, uh -huh. you know, I have been doing this for a long time. I've been a teacher for 14 years, 15, no, 18 years. <laughs> uh, but I still work with somebody. I have dreams, um, that I still have scary dreams on occasion, not as many, um, hardly at all, but, um, you know, I still work with somebody who helps me to see what the dreams are because, you know, we, it's also important to know that we have blind spots. Like we go into the dream with our own stories and the dream comes to us with its stories about who we are and they often don't match. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just to know that what you're seeing in a dream also you're looking through your own lens and through your own fears and through your own stories and that the dream may be bringing a different story so to have like that kind of view too and again if it's a scary dream you know to actually maybe get some help with it yeah because when dreams open up our trauma work to me part of like the hard thing about trauma work is that when we had our the moments of trauma or time periods of trauma the hardest thing was that we were usually isolated and we had no one to walk through all the feelings that came up around what happened to us, um, which is, can be more traumatizing than the actual events. Um, so a dream wants us to heal, but not to not go through it without support this time. So, you know, so for scary dreams, I'd say maybe get some help um, or talk to a good friend about it or someone you trust. Um, but, you know, for the rest, like to be just very open and like, to be, you know, with the question of like, what are you wanting me to know right now? Because the dreams have this incredible wisdom and magic that they want to 
help us with, that they want to help help us trans, transform our lives and uh, come into who we really are. Um, and they have, it's a really, and the way they want to do it is really wacky and different for each person. Uh-huh. So um, to be open to that. Well, thank you. That That's great advice, all of that. You know, I, I love how you talk about, you know, being tender and open, tender with the dream and open and kind of uh, more in a line of inquiry and questioning and seeing what comes up, you know, than trying to figure it out. And and also that advice about connecting. You know, I've I've heard people say dreams are meant to be shared and maybe we can't share every single dream, but certainly the ones where um, we really want to dig in and maybe see what blind spots we have or just need connection where we're dealing with something that we were isolated, uh, totally. isolated around before. That's, that's beautiful advice. Thank you for all of that. Yeah. I mean, can I say one more thing about that? Because I think yeah. uh, mm-hmm. when we talk about blind spots, people often think like, well, I have blind spots about like things that I do that aren't great in the world or whatever, I, which is true. Um, but I think the bigger blind spots we ha- have are about, who we are in like all the glorious ways that we don't know. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, know, I've worked with people for some people for like 10, 15 years. And sometimes the hardest work is not the trauma work we've done, but the work of like seeing themselves as someone who carries a lot of heart or carries a lot of light or who loves deeply or like sometimes that's harder. We have a lot of blind spots around who we are in that way. <laughs> so um, true. Yeah. So, you know, I find, you know, I find that that can be more challenging for people than, you know, the past, honestly. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's true. We often think of blind spots as like, oh, I don't want to face that bad thing about myself or something. But, but yeah, that we need some light shown on our um our own wonderful magic too absolutely yeah, that's great well sue how can um how can people find you and learn more about what you do potentially work with you uh well they could find me several different ways um my website is suescavo.com and it has a lot of information about um the retreats i do i do probably between 10 to 15 retreats a year all across the country if you want to, if you're interested in the journal Deluge, it's called Deluge Journal, and it's uh, delugejournal.com. The school that I work with, with my partner, Bill St. Cyr, you can find us at studentsofthedream.com. Okay, great. Well, I will link to all of those on our show notes so people can find you. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely to meet you and to be in this conversation. I love talking about dreams. (laughs) Me too. Thanks so much for listening. Come on over to thedreamersden.org to get a free video and PDF I made for you about opening up or deepening your relationship with your dreams and to sign up for email updates from me. So you'll be sure to hear about this dreams and creativity event that Sue and I are going to put on for you, which I'm so excited about. And I hope to see you on May 16th with Melissa Grace. You can come to thedreamersden.org slash welcome to sign up for our gathering, Dreaming Welcome. When you get to that page, you'll see that tickets for members of the Dreamers Den are 50% off, so you might want to become a member. Membership is on a sliding scale of three to 24 US dollars per month. Doors are open right now for membership until May 29th. I'd love to have you. The dream work we're doing in the more intimate members-only forum is getting better and better. You can come and connect with other dreamers and dream workers, practitioners of the healing arts who love to work with dreams, artists and storytellers getting inspiration from their dreams and finding ways to clear creative blocks. All of us really enjoying hearing each other's dreams and supporting each other. Having that support is huge. It's one thing to notice our dreams and vaguely intend to honor them and occasionally have a powerful moment and another to dedicate some real time and attention to them. I find it makes a big difference to have a community who is into doing that with me. Even when I'm not in a phase of big dreams, hearing other people's dreams keeps me involved. 
the intensity of dreaming naturally ebbs and flows for many of us. So this membership community is a way of keeping that door open, keeping the listening ear and the curious mind open. My monthly invitations and prompts and the dialogue with the community, and of course these live events, really support your deeper engagement with your dreams. And you and your perspective and your voice, which only you can bring, really support everybody else. Doors will be open until May 29th, and then I'm going to focus in on the community that's developing with everyone who's already joined. I will reopen the doors later this year, but if you're interested now, I hope you will come on in before May 29th. Okay, thank you again for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and catch my next episode, which will be an interview with Carla Blowy, author of Dreaming Kevin, A Path to Healing. That interview will take a little bit of a different tone as she shares her experience working with bereaved parents, her own precognitive nightmare, and the powerful role dreams have played in her life for decades now. It is a powerful conversation and it will be here for you on the new moon, May 22nd. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.